Hey besties, welcome back to another episode of Sunshine and Rainbows podcast, a space where we chat about moments when life isn't. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am so passionate about peeling back that veil our society has constructed around perfectionism online. When starting my own personal platform on Instagram, I realized that I was getting caught in the inauthentic hustle, and it was severely affecting my mental health, mostly because I was comparing my behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel. Throughout my life, I've come to own that my setbacks were actually just set ups for something better. I found a way to step into my true potential, and the goal is to amplify other voices who have done the same so that someone out there feels seen and that much less alone. I cannot wait to get into this important conversation with our next guest. So let's get started. Wow, we just finished our first full week of March and already the year is feeling heavy. So if you're feeling that way with news swirling and social media and literally everything else, know that you're not alone. I'm feeling it too. And for those of us who are highly empathetic humans, probably all of you listening because of the conversations that we have here, I encourage you I implore you to take some time to rest and recharge. It's it's okay. Again, the world is heavy right now. And while we are on a mission to change it, we can't do that unless we take care of ourselves first. So maybe this next week we put our phone down. We silence our notifications and we take time to really be with ourself and our feelings. That being said, that brings us into our next guest and a conversation that I really enjoyed having. Eileen Smith is a somatic experiencing practitioner whose work is rooted in the principles of attachment theory and Eastern philosophies. She integrates several modalities into her practice, including talking, touch work, and movement in order to help her clients develop deeper and safer relationships within and increased capabilities and capacities for resilience and joy. This conversation was incredible and we touch a lot about trauma and the way that the body holds on to it. I'm very excited for this next conversation. So here we go. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Sunshine and Rainbows podcast. I'm your host, Amanda, and I'm so excited to jump right into this conversation. We have a very special guest with us here today. Welcome, Eileen. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so um, grateful to be able to um, have this conversation with you. I'm really excited. So thank you. Yay. Me too. I am very excited. I loved what your team pitched as far as the conversations that you wanted to talk about. And I would love to just jump right in. Do you mind giving us a background on who you are and kind of how you got to where you are now? Um, sure. So it's, it's always a hard question because like, where do I start? Right. Um, well, in, let's just maybe talk about it in relation to how I got it into somatic experiencing and why trauma healing is so important to me. 
So um, in my early 40s, I went back to school to become a therapist. Um, I just felt like it was a time in my life that I was really ready to be able to give back and um, do this kind of work. And I was finishing up school and I had an internship at an eating disorder clinic. And what I learned was that so much of what we experiencing we experience in our maladaptive behaviors, such as eating disorders or addiction, even anxiety and depression, is all the residual effects of unresolved trauma. So, um, several of the clinicians that I that I was working with were were trained in somatic experiencing, and I didn't really quite understand what it was. But I um, I decided to go and do the first training, which I had no idea what I was getting myself into. It was it was a three day training, and it was pretty intense. But I got into the training, and very quickly this light bulb had gone off for me. I had done so much talk therapy in my life. I had really struggled with eating disorders, um, a lot of anxiety, mm. and I was and I was like, "How can I have done all this work and all this talk therapy, and yet I still feel so dysregulated?" And when I started learning about somatic experiencing and the um, the physiology and the biology behind what happens in our nervous system and why we get dysregulated. I was like, oh my God, this is really the missing link to the talk therapy. Because talk therapy, as we know, really works with our um, highest functioning part of the brain. Whereas somatic experiencing really works with our survival physiology where the trauma um, resides in our body. Mm. So that's kind of how I got into the work that I do for trauma healing. And of course, you know, I've had my own journey through it. Um, as a student of the work, I also became a patient. And I really noticed over the years that, um, you know, the, the big differences in my own nervous system. Wow. First of all, thank you so much for sharing and walking us through all of that. It is so interesting. I personally have been through talk therapy and I completely understand how you're talking about this whole other puzzle piece to the big therapy puzzle. Do you mind breaking it down a little bit more and talking to us about how exactly you would define trauma and the practices that are involved with this type of therapy? Sure. So when we think of trauma, we often think of an event. Mm -hmm. But trauma is really that energy that gets locked in our body around real or perceived threat. So it, it would really explain why 10 people could have the same experience and come out the other side of it with 10 different reactions. Mm. You know, some people um, bounce back quickly. Other people you know, get really stuck in, in that trauma vortex. So if you think about... Um, animals in the wild, right? Animals in the wild don't get traumatized. They, they, they might have a potentially life-threatening event, but what they do is they shake off the trauma and then they move on. So what they do is in that there's this, this biological completion in their bodies. They basically reset their nervous systems mm. and then they, they move on. So they're basically restoring their bodies to some sense of safety. We as human beings don't do that. We have a potentially threatening event, 
And basically, our bodies get stuck in that survival physiology of fight, flight, or freeze, right? Because if we, if when we, when it, when we're in a potentially threatening situation, our bodies do one of three things, mm-hmm. right? Fight, flight, or freeze. And if we don't have that biological completion and reset of the nervous system, that switch of survival physiology gets stuck in the on position. So in somatic experiencing, what we're trying to accomplish is that biological completion and building the body as a safe container so we we can restore that sense of safety, file the trauma memory where it belongs in the past, and move forward. Mm. So I hope I hope that makes sense. It does completely, yeah. especially with my own experiences. I recently have unlocked some trauma through talk therapy. You know, I have learned personally that your brain protects you from certain things that you've been through and you might not remember or even think about those moments. But going through talk therapy, it's like new levels being unlocked and those feelings again. And so my own therapist and I have had to work through that was in the past, you are safe now, and going through a lot of those practices. I can imagine too, like you're saying, when someone is stuck, I love the wording you use, in the trauma vortex, Mm -hmm. I can imagine the stress on the body constantly thinking it's in danger and there's a perceived perceived threat when there's not actually. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's what we see in behaviors, right? That's Mm. how, like, we know that someone is stuck in their trauma vortex because not maybe not so much about what they say but how they're going to behave right it could be it could be sim- things as simply being over or underreactive to every situation mm. right because when you've been traumatized you actually perceive the present as though you're in the past yes right, right? and so like the easy example is the war vet that mm-hmm. comes home and and hears a loud noise on the street and, you know, starts um, going into fight mode. Um, but the, the reality of it is, even though we can intellectualize and understand all this, that, that our bodies are, is really what's holding, whether we remember or not, our bodies are holding those trauma memories. Mm-hmm. So we have to get to the real story, which is the story of the body. So when people come to see me, I often get a lot of clients that have done a lot of talk therapy and will say, I don't understand why am I still still so unsettled? I understand all my issues. I, mm-hmm. I get it. You know, I know what to do. And almost like their bodies and brains are moving in two different directions. So the, one of the first questions that people will often ask me is, Oh, do I, you know, I've already been through talk therapy. Am I going to have to go and relive, you know, and tell you about each situation? Mm. So I, and so I'll send them the paperwork and my paperwork is really about two pages. And they're like, how come you don't want my whole trauma history? And my response is always like, we're going to get to it, but we're not, we're going to get to it organically. We're going to let your body guide the process. And as things come up naturally, we will start working through them. Your body's going to tell us when you're ready to work through these things. Mm. It's bringing me back. I always joke that every time I would switch a therapist, I just needed to create a PowerPoint slideshow titled My Trauma. Like, Let me walk you through it because you're right. The retelling and reliving, if you haven't completely gotten through 
that trauma vortex. It is almost like reliving it every single time. And a defense mechanism, like you said, is being underreactive to it. And that's the opposite of what you want. You want to embrace it, but have the tools to move forward. And right. I, it's so interesting to me how you're talking about your body will let you know. Can you break that down a little bit more for us, what that process looks like? Sure. So, you know, for each client, it's different. But in my practice, if my clients are ready, I often do, I do a lot of touch work. So because our, our bodies, our tissue memory, our body has tissue memory. So our, our bodies hold a lot of the memories that we don't remember. So I'll find with the client, we might be doing a touch session and some memories will start coming up and we'll eventually get to a place where I might ask a client, so if you could have defended yourself or what would you have said or what would you have done? Mm. And a client might actually start having some physical movement that they are that that which will help us get to that biological completion i'll have them do the movements over and over you know i'll give you an example i had a a client who was bullied as a kid mm. and he we got somehow or other we got to a memory that he came up with at um, where he was in camp and he was being pinned down mm. and you know you could just see how his, he was getting so activated and I said to him, I said, call him John. I'm like, John, who would you have, who would have been there with you had you had someone safe there with you? So we, he brings in his friend. He's like, my friend Dave. So we bring Dave in. And I said, so just notice what it feels like to have Dave with you. So we, you know, we're setting up, we're setting it up. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it was, you know, he's telling me what happened. I said, and I, I said to him, so, so show me what you would have done when you were being pinned down to have gotten up and defended yourself. And he started punching and kicking and punching and kicking. And for the next 10 minutes, he's punching and kicking. And you could just see his body going through this biological completion. He's crying and he's punching and he's kicking. Mm. And then it was over. And his entire nervous system went into a reset. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's really cool when you have sessions like that. Yes. How interesting, too, for you to be observing all of this as well, too. I feel like it's one thing for your client to be experiencing this. Do you find an emotional connection throughout that process as well, too? Um. Oh, yeah. I mean, it completely, completely changes. I mean, you can see what happens in someone's physical being. And then there's almost a sense of um, empowerment. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's everything starts shifting at that point. Yeah. Now I can imagine being in a position in a field where you're helping people so much to unlock and move past mm-hmm. these traumas. How do you personally protect your own mental health in the process? That's a really good question. (laughs) I think it's all about my own self-care and really having good boundaries with clients and friends and family. And, um, you know, I, I make sure that I have time for myself every single day. 
And so, you know, my self-care is everything from my nutrition to exercise, to having time to connect with friends and family. So all of those pieces really keep me in balance to be able to be present and show up for my own clients. Mm. I think that's so important. We talk a lot here on the show about how it's it it sounds selfish to take care of yourself before taking care of others, but when you're in a field like you are where you can experience compassion fatigue by experiencing these traumas secondhand for so long, it is really important to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and your own mental health in order to help others in the process. For sure. And I just think in general, there's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself. It's almost like you have to put your oxygen mask on first. Yes. I love that yeah, analogy so yeah, much. Yeah, you really do. And so I don't know, I a very long time ago, I I that that voice went away from me pretty quickly. I realized that if I don't take care of me, nobody else is going to do it for me. Mm. So, you know, it, it's, you know, I, if I can't, I have office hours and if I can't get clients in during those hours, you know what, it's like, okay, you know, nobody's going to die. I mean, yeah. if I have a crisis, if I have a crisis, but with the client, but I really try to stick to my schedule so that I'm not feeling frustrated and um, resentful of my clients. Mm. I think that they went into my own time. Those boundaries are very important. Mm -hmm. I think with anyone, but especially again, in the career field that you are in as well too. Now, speaking of this field, will you walk us through certifications and schooling that you got in order to be in this position? So I have a master's in mental health counseling and I passed the national counseling exam. And then I gave up my license. Okay. Because, well, and there was the reason why is I don't take insurance and I also tend to practice out of state. So I have clients all over the place. Okay. And so it didn't make sense for me to keep my license licensure. Um, and then I went and I did a three year training with the somatic um, experience. It's called the Trauma Healing Institute. And I became a somatic experience practitioner. And the reason why I love this, I love this program. I mean, it's, it, it was, it profoundly changed my life personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. And you're forced to become a student of the work as, as you're forced to become a patient as a student of the work. Okay. And so I really had, you know, I really had gone through my own process with somatic experiencing. And, um, you know, I just noticed just a, huge difference in how my nervous system is, was, and is now functioning. Mm. So, um, but you know, you don't need to go to school and get a master's degree in mental health counseling to become a somatic experience practitioner, but um, you do need, need to have a foundation and in, in some sort of as a body worker or, or some sort of therapist. I think it's really helpful. Yeah. That makes complete sense. I, do you have a question? So again, we've talked about trauma and we talked about how typically when people think of trauma, they think of a war veteran or someone who's been through this big, huge experience. I call it like big T traumas. But I think a lot of people don't realize that there are little T traumas throughout our life that happen. And how, what is something that people listening uh, could maybe clue them into, hey, this might be an option for me, what Eileen is talking about. 
Well, I think if you're feeling trauma, right, comes in, in so many different varieties. And a lot of times what we don't realize is that throughout our childhood, if we grew up in a stressful environment, that could be, that could create, you know, certain feelings and behaviors later on in our life. So I would just say this, if you're feeling like something in your life doesn't feel right, if you feel totally disconnected, or maybe you feel like you're hovering above your body, or you don't really feel like you're living your life fully, then it's worth exploring this idea that there might be some unresolved traumas that need to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it, I think the big thing is just not feeling really like yourself is, is a good indication that you've had some trauma. Yes, I think so too. And especially with the past almost two years that we've been through, I imagine that a lot of people or more than usual are getting diagnosed with some pretty big mental disorders like major depressive disorder, anxiety, things like that. Um, excluding the pandemic, why do you think that so many people are suffering from these specific disorders like anxiety and depression? I think that we've had so many events that include put us putting aside the pandemic i think we're living in a world that things are moving so fast and i think our nervous systems have become really dysregulated i think the technology has had a huge impact Mm. on how we're functioning um and i think just this overall sense of chaos is creating is creating um creating big, like, I would just call it a collective trauma, collective dysregulation of our nervous system. So, you know, I think it it has to do with like why we have all these apps, this calm app, and why we have um, places in the cities, like meditation places and Mm -hmm. more yoga places, because we're trying, we're trying to, in some way, shape or form, slow things down. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree with all of that. Yeah, yeah it's chaotic out there. Mm. And and that in itself, I have found in my own life that living in this constant state of almost survival mode, and I wasn't living to my fullest because it was affecting every area of my life, my sleep habits, my eating habits, the ability for me to be active. My body was just trying to catch up and keep me alive, and I wasn't actually thriving. I was bare minimum surviving and just existing. And it came to a point over the summer this year that I finally said to my therapist, I'm exhausted just trying to exist. Like I'm exhausted. And through this process, we finally narrowed down that the two mental disorders I thought I had were actually five. And so we were able to break down and, you know, don't you love what that happens? You're like, oh, okay, there's more. But through all of that, again, finding that ability to slow down and get back in touch with my body was so critical to me and helping me evolve to the man I am today. Yeah, it's, that's, I think that's the big piece is, is slowing things down and getting back into your body. I find it so ironic, though, right? We're so advanced in the world and in our lives. And yet, think about caveman and primitive times. They were just trying to survive, right? <laughs> we're back to that. And here we are, we're so advanced, yet our bodies are still going into this survival physiology. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and thinking about what you said at the beginning of the episode and relating it back to animals out in their natural environment in the wild, they're able to go through fight, flight, recovery, you know, that whole biological process. And in itself, humans should be the same way, but we're not allowing ourselves to go through that. So it makes complete sense. Yeah. And that's why this work is so powerful. Mm. Oh my goodness. For that reason. Yeah. Yeah. For exactly that. Wow. So if someone listening is interested in learning more about the work you do or potentially working with you, will you share some avenues for them to go about either researching or figuring out how to get involved? Sure. So all right. First things first, you can go to my website, which is Eileen, I-L-E-N-E, EileenSmith.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Eileen Smith Healing. Um, I wrote a book called Moving Beyond Trauma, which is available on Amazon. And um, my email and um, contact information is um, on the website and or via Instagram if anyone's interested in getting in touch with me, if they have any questions. Um, you could also go to traumahealing.org website and look for a somatic experiencing practitioner in your area. Okay. So, yeah. Wonderful. And if they wanted to personally work with you, is that information on your website as well? Yeah. Too? Yeah. There's a form you can fill out and contact me or you can DM me on Instagram. Wonderful. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing that. And as a reminder, all the resources that we've talked about are down in the episode notes. So if you click on the description of the episode, it'll show you see more details and the links will all be provided down there. Eileen, thank you so much for the wonderful information that you've shared. It was incredible hearing about your journey and the great work that you're doing in order to help people holistically take care of their health because there are multiple puzzle pieces when it comes to health. Uh, I do want to give you an opportunity to share any advice to someone who's listening that maybe feels like they relate to some of the scenarios that we were talking about today. I would say that healing is possible and that you don't have to go at it alone. And I really encourage people to reach out and seek help um, because, you know, I just, I just know how powerful um, it is to even just have the connection of a therapist and knowing that someone is there. Mm, yes. Very powerful. Well, Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate hearing for you. And I know for sure our audience did as well, too. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to yet another amazing conversation started here on Sunshine and Rainbows podcast. Each week, I'm quite literally blown away by the voices and stories shared here. The goal is to amplify others' experiences in hopes that someone listening out there feels that much less alone. Thank you again to our incredible guests for getting so vulnerable with us about their own personal stories and for helping each of us remember to look at a situation with a new perspective. If you love this episode or any previous one, I hope you'll take a second to share it to a bestie or even tell us on social media. It really does make a difference in helping us get these conversations out there to the world. If you'd like to share your own story with our audience about how you've overcome something in your life or maybe want to start an important conversation that needs to be heard, please send us an email at hello at Stay colorful and we'll see you next week, besties.